You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to First Bite, the Pride of Detroit, Detroit Lions preview podcast, where we take a look at the upcoming matchup between the Detroit Lions and their upcoming opponent this week, the New York, yes, football Giants. Week eight, two teams that are probably not where they want to be this deep into the season, but we're going to get all up into that, talk about some matchups, talk about some things, forget about the Quandre Diggs trade for just a second. Impossible. And talk some <laughs> impossible. We're we're going to try though. <laughs> that voice that you hear on the other end, one of three ends we're going to have during this podcast because we like to have the opposing side of you on these podcasts is Ryan Matthews. That's Ryan underscore pod on Twitter. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? Howdy, I'm doing just fine. Excited to get into what seems to be at least a winnable game for the Detroit Lions, but I guess we'll figure that out as we as we move on throughout the show. That's that's a low bar we're setting for the Lions at, at two, three, and one. Is we're just looking for winnable games at this point. But uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman, by the way. I'm I'm the the host of First Bite, co-host of First Bite, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm also the managing editor over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. And with us to give us the the Giants' point of view this week on the podcast, we have Chris Flum. He's at Raptor MKII MK2, if you will, but in eyes. Roman numerals. Uh, he's a writer for Big Blue View, the SB Nation blog for the New York Giants. Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you guys already said how you're doing, so I won't ask. <laughs> I appreciate that. We're being efficient here. Uh, I like that. Um, let, let's be efficient and jump right into this. Uh, we like to start with the offseason, especially since we're still pretty early in the season. Um, I would say it's fair to say the Giants had a pretty eventful offseason this year. Um, I would categorize it as a total rebuild. Is that a fair uh, title, fair label to give them that, uh, Chris? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, they don't really want to admit to that, but right. that's what it is. Basically, all along since the Giants have hired Dave Gettleman, they've insisted that they are trying to win now. They're trying to compete, but they have also been trying to rebuild at the same time yeah uh, let's, let's get into yeah some of those moves yeah. that they made because it really started at the trade deadline last year and and maybe even before that i i think we can all agree that the snacks trade was was a sign of maybe a rebuild and then they go on to let olivier vernon walk uh Landon collins oh they trade a little beckham i mean basically all of the key pieces especially on the defensive side of the ball seem to be gone uh, how has that gone over with fans and, and are there any particular moves where you're like, okay, I'm okay with that, but that one I'm not okay with. Um, well, as far as not okay, definitely trading Odell 
uh-huh. and snacks and Vernon. Oh, okay, pretty much all of the trades <laughs> okay. executed. I have not been okay with. Okay, I'm so, pretty well known and infamous over on Big Blue View as the uh, the Dave Gettleman critic. Yeah, yeah, and let, I, I want to talk about that too because I think Lions fans can appreciate that sometimes the national view of the team is either inaccurate or overblown or things like that. Um, do you feel that way about David Gettleman? Because I think a lot of people, nationally speaking, you know, view him as kind of, I mean, I don't need to tell you. Everyone thinks he's an embarrassment and the Giants are, are in disarray. Um, is, is that how you feel? I, I'm sure there are Giants fans that are on both sides of the coin because that's how fandom works. But what about you personally? What do you, what do you think about the Dave Gettleman era? Uh, personally, I am not a fan. I, they insist that there is a plan. I haven't really been able to see it at least as far as football is played in the year 2019. Uh, like I said, we've already talked about trading Odell and snacks. And honestly, really the lions have been great uh, beneficiaries of sure. Dave Gettleman's tenure so far. Mm-hmm. So I believe you've got what four former giants on your roster right now. And I didn't want to see any of them leave. <laughs> yeah, let's let's run through those. So we've talked about snacks plenty. Uh, there's Romeo Quara. There's uh, Paul Perkins. I'm not sure if you're including him. Uh, recently promoted oh. to to the the uh, active roster, and then I absolutely am. <laughs> okay, I was a big there. fan of his coming out. You, I oh. called him Nightcrawler in that draft class. Ooh, I like that. Uh, and then obviously Devon Kennard is the other one. Um, so are, are you essentially saying you'd like to have all three, all four of those guys back at this point? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know of anyone who doesn't want snacks on their team. Sure. And yeah, Devin Kennard had some injury issues, but when he was healthy, he was a really good outside linebacker. And you could see what Romeo Aquara could become it with a little bit of development and in the right system. Yeah, and I think those have all worked out to to varying degrees for Detroit. Um, maybe this year not so much as as last year, but um, I can certainly see the the value in those players. Um, but let's let's go back to the Giants a little bit here. Let's let's talk about this season. Let's talk about what has happened in in the aftermath of of this off season blow up. Because I mean, there also were some some interesting moves, some potentially good moves, and getting Kevin Zietler. Uh, Mike Remmers, who who Lions fans know from the Vikings, Golden Tate, Jabril, Jabril Peppers. Um, how how's the season looked so far? And uh, maybe go a little bit beyond the two and five record there. <laughs> Let's say with your introduction, the Giants and the Lions are in a pretty uh, similar spot. Say you know, right now we're just hoping for winnable games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad to have Kevin Zeitler on the team. I Again, not happy with the trade that got him here, but he is a good guard. The Giants now have two good guards, which is a step up from where they were last year. Sure. The <clears throat> sorry, I just got a message on my phone on my <laughs> side. No worries, no worries. Yeah, say. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jabril Peppers has been an I suppose we could say adequate fill in for Landon Collins. He offers a pretty similar skill set at a lot lower cap number than what the Giants would have been paying Collins, even if they had extended him after the 2017 season. So there are, you know, 
they did add some good starter quality players over this offseason. And then, of course, there's the big one with the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you what do you think about the change that the Giants made to to, to get rid of Eli and to bring in Daniel Jones? I, I think obviously you probably have a lot of thoughts about that, but then to piggyback off that and maybe maybe kind of this informs your entire discussion. But what did you think of him being the second quarterback that came off the board that night? Uh, just to go back to the draft, I was, I'll say surprised, but also not surprised. It was pretty much a given that the Giants were going to draft a quarterback at some point in that draft. I had identified Daniel Jones as a quarterback they probably would have liked basically a year ago, almost to the day. <laughs> and yeah, you know, the signs were all there. The the David Cutcliffe connection, the similarities, the frankly eerie physical similarities between Daniel Jones and Eli Manning. You know, the Giants are not an organization that likes change or innovation, really. Mm -hmm. They like things to stay the same. So it was pretty obvious that they were going to like Daniel Jones. I'll admit especially after studying him and I, and talking a lot with uh, Mark Schofield, who yeah, he writes for just about everybody. I'm sure you guys know him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, I was surprised that Jones was the second quarterback off the board. Let, let's talk about how he's performed thus far and, and maybe even touch on the, the switch uh, from, from era to era here. Um, were, were you, did you think it was time to already get into da the Daniel Jones era? Did you think maybe he should have started from the get go? And, and how have you seen him perform? Cause obviously he was kind of the talk of the league after a couple games, but falling down to reality a little bit, facing uh, some tougher defenses along the line. So where are your overall thoughts about both how the Daniel Jones era started and where things are going from there? There really wasn't a good way for the era to start mm -hmm. yet. Eli wasn't playing well when they made the change, but he also wasn't playing poorly. He was, I, I suppose he, he was playing adequately and the rest of the rest of the team just isn't there mm -hmm. to compete against a, a really good team. So I understand them making the change. I don't dispute that it was a good time to make the change. Just rip the bandaid off, get the, rookie on the field, see what you have, start developing him and really start trying to make up your mind whether or not he's the guy for the future because the reality is teams basically have three years on a rookie quarterback, even a first rounder with the fifth year option because you know, looking down the road, that is going to be an expensive fifth year option. Right. As far as what I've seen from him, he has... Yeah, he got off to a, a ridiculously good start in the preseason. He had that really dynamic come-from-behind win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But since then, he has played like a rookie. It, he has faced some really good defenses in Minnesota and... Sorry. No worries. New England, right? I, I, do you hear the dog barking? We we do, yeah. It's no biggie. 
we we both no. have dogs here and they interrupt the show all the time so no worries. Oh, okay. That, yeah, mine's <laughs> mine's a dog, it's a dog friendly podcast okay yeah so plays he played a really good uh really good defense in minnesota an even better one in new england and then one that really got healthy against the giants in arizona and he has played like a rookie and we have seen things that we saw on tape in college you know seen kind of as much as his accuracy and ball placement have been talked up they are inconsistent going down the field we have seen him kind of uh have have his mental process slow down when he has to go past his first read or second read and really try to scan the field and dissect the defense but we have also seen a level of athleticism from him that Eli has never even been able to dream of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does flash the ability to throw a good deep ball. So there are those, there are those flashes, but there are also the problems we saw on tape in college and frankly, just rookie struggles. Sure. Yeah. And that, that's kind of interesting. You bring up the, the processing thing. I think that's something that could play in the Lions' favor on Sunday, because if there's one thing the Lions have been able to do good defensively is get quarterbacks off that first look. And and unfortunately for Detroit, they haven't been able to create pressure that comes along with that, but they are forcing quarterbacks to hold the pot, hold onto the ball a little bit longer and, and kind of go through their progressions. And that's something that can obviously benefit against a, a rookie quarterback. But uh, I want to get back into some of the other parts of the team before we go to the injury report and then go to our break. Um, let's talk defense because the numbers are pretty ugly so far. Um, 27th in points allowed, 27th in DVOA. Um, I'm sorry, 25th in DVOA. What's going wrong on defense? Is it just kind of a matter of fact of you get rid of all these defensive cornerstones of the defense and uh, things fall apart? Or is it scheme related? Or is it young players? What's what's exactly the issues going on on defense? I'm understanding that that's a, a tough, overbearing question to ask you. I would say all of the above. Yeah, the, <laughs> you know, the, in the last two years, the Giants have moved on from Devin Kennard and Romeo Aquara, Olivier Vernon, Jason Pierre-Paul, mm-hmm. uh, Damon Harrison. Uh, they moved, They sent B.J. Goodson over to the Packers. They let Landon Collins leave. Uh, Andrew Adams, who was a lion up until this year. Right. And there has just been a ton of overall on their defense and it's taking things a time. It's taking things some time to really kind of mesh and click and just get together as a cohesive unit. And they have a lot of young players. They've got a couple rookies starting Uh, their slot corner, which is basically a starter is a second year player. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, who is their starting edge across from Marcus Golden, is a second-year player. B.J. Hill, their starting defensive end across from Dexter Lawrence, who is a rookie. B.J. Hill is a second-year player. So it's just all of those things together and all of them kind of finding their way in what wants to be a very aggressive scheme. Mm Mm-hmm. Ryan, you got a question about the defense or we can kick it back over to the offense. What, what do you want to talk about? Um, I mean, I'm really just interested in in figuring out the status of Saquon Barkley. I mean, I, I know we, 
we can talk about offense or defense. We can talk about injuries, but I think that that's just really the key for the Lions to to sure. overcome this week because the run defense has been so bad. So I mean, uh, Chris, can you let us know? Like, is Saquon Barkley one hundred percent? No. Yes. No, he is <laughs> not one hundred percent. He was healthy enough to play last week, but also clearly not himself. And he did tweak his ankle at least a little bit during the game. He had to come off the field. Uh, There were a couple places in the same play where it might have happened. Mike Remmers might have stepped on that ankle. It might have gotten bent a little bit weirdly as he was tackled or actually going out of bounds. And he had to come out for a few plays, get it it retaped. He just doesn't have the same level of twitch and agility and explosiveness that you expect from him that everybody has seen from him in the highlights which when he's healthy can happen at any time now that's not to say he's completely gimpy he is still fast he is still explosive but he's a lot closer to human than normal okay see that's the problem though is i think even like saquon barkley at like 70 percent could run roughshod over the lions defense right now so even a human saquon barkley is is a tall task for the Lions defense to overcome. Yeah, which I have to say, from my perspective, knowing you guys have Damon Harrison, that is surprising to me. Yes. Join join the club there because we can't <laughs> quite figure it out. We talked I I mean Damon Harrison talked with the media today and he he says, you know, he's not quite sure what's going on and teams are taking advantage of things he's struggling with, but he's never struggled with these sort of things in his career. So it's it's new to him. It's frustrating to him. It's frustrating to us. It kind of is the linchpin of this entire defense, which is why they haven't been great through, uh, you know, six games. But um, sticking with the injury report here, let, let's talk uh, wide receivers here. Um, we obviously know Golden Tate's there, but Sterling Shepard is, is still working his way through concussion protocol. Corey Coleman's on IR. Um, do you have any updates on the, the status or the likelihood that Shepard returns this week? And if he can't, who's left amongst these wide receivers outside of Golden Tate? Uh, yeah, Shepard has been a limited participant in practice. He was a limited participant last week. <clears throat> I'm not sure that I would expect him to play mm-hmm. just because he had two concussions in a month. Actually, it's a little bit less than a month. Mm-hmm. So they are going to take their time with that. And also with both concussions, the hits where they likely happened, he went back onto the field and finished the game. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's a scary situation for him just as, as a man, as a father, I am in absolutely no rush to see him back on the field. I wouldn't even be upset if they put him on the injured reserve just for him to get right and be right. Right. There is life after football. Yeah. As, as for who is left, the giants have Cody Latimer and Benny Fowler, both kind of bigger guys. They're physical. They do do well in kind of contested catch situations, which is good because neither one is particularly good at creating separation out of Mm -hmm. their routes. They also have a rookie, I believe sixth round rookie, Darius Slayton out of Auburn. Mm -hmm. And he has been a very pleasant surprise for them. He's a very explosive receiver. Uh, He scored very well on the RAS. Give a shout out. Appreciate that. Shout out, Kent yep. Math Bomb. Yep, he he is awesome. 
And, you know, Slayton, his RES was great. His spark is great. He was one of the most explosive receivers at the combine. He's got a lot of speed. He gets up to speed fast. His route running is developing, I is the nice way to say it. Because, well, you know, if anyone's ever watched Auburn's offense, their wide receivers run a route twig. It is not a tree. It is a twig. <laughs> Basically, his job was to either stop short, catch the ball, and run, or run, then catch the ball. However, he has been developing. He played almost every single offensive snap against the Cardinals. He's come up with a few big plays. And right now, he really does look like the Giants' kind of number two receiver behind Golden Tate, at least with Sterling Shepard on the sideline. Man, I really, I mean, this has been a dream week for me. I've circled this one on the map because there's nothing I want to see more than Darius Slay lined up against Darius Slayton. It's it's all <laughs> I've been waiting to happen. And we don't know Darius Slay's, uh, his status. Uh, he did not practice on Wednesday dealing with that hamstring injury that's kind of been tormenting him for a couple weeks. But um, I kind of think that's actually the matchup that they, they would actually go on you know they probably put Justin Coleman on Golden Tate if they're if they're smart and so maybe that leaves Darius Slavers Darius Slayton but we'll get into that in the next segment because we're talking about matchups coming up right now we got to take a break stick around we'll talk matchups we'll get predictions we'll have a whole lot more fun with Chris Blum our guest from Big Blueview All right, we are back with First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast. We're talking Lions-Giants Week 8 with Chris Flum from Big Blue View, the Giants SB Nation blog. Uh, let's let's get into the matchups. Let's talk about the key things that are going to cause either a win or a loss for the Detroit Lions this week, or maybe a tie. Who knows? We like ties at this point. <laughs> why, not, why not add another one? Um, let, let, we, we teased it a little bit before. I think the key to this game, at least for the Lions, is, is stopping Saquon Barkley. Um, is it a matter of stopping Saquon Barkley, or is it a matter of stopping the Giants' rushing attack? How's the run blocking for this Giants' offensive line, or is it just Saquon being Saquon and, and doing everything he can despite what the, the front five is doing for him? Uh, <clears throat> I think a little too often it's Saquon being Saquon. At the beginning of the year, their run blocking was actually good. Kevin Zeitler has, it's kind of a, it it isn't really talked about. He's been missing practices here and there, getting rest days. He's been dealing with a shoulder injury and, you know, offensive lineman shoulder injury that makes it hard to block, especially with power. So their run blocking the last couple weeks has been inconsistent. Saquon can make things happen. I think defenses league wide have kind of uh, kind of wised up to his spin move and yeah, you know, really kind of concentrating on not letting him juke them out. <clears throat> Behind him, the Giants have Wayne Gallman, who is a perfectly serviceable running back. Straight ahead, no nonsense. He spends basically no time behind the line of scrimmage. Picks a picks a hole and hits it. 
he is not Saquon Barkley. He can't make magic out of nothing. He's probably not going to make five guys miss and turn a five-yard run into a 50-yard run. Uh, if, r- sorry, don't no, finish your point. No. I was going to throw it to Ryan real quick. Um, for, the, for the Lions side of this matchup, now obviously things have not been good through six games, but the personnel seems to be there. And with the Giants maybe not quite being the balanced team that the Vikings are, maybe some of the other teams that they've played in the past of, you know, Giants passing attack, not very threatening right now. Do you think there's a chance the Lions can sell out and stopping the run and be successful this week? I think that might be the only way that they can be successful. I think what they're probably going to do, or I shouldn't say what they're probably going to do, because what we... What we want them to do isn't always in alignment with what they end up doing. I mean, right. I think it'd be the perfect time for the Lions to load up the box, try to stop Saquon Barkley. And you know what? If you're going to load up the box, why not send some pressure at Daniel Jones and make him um, make him either buy into his first read or have him just running around from side to side, you know, sideline to sideline all, all game. I, I think that that's probably the key to success. Now, what's probably going to end up happening is Patricia's going to run like he's going to rush three. And Saquon Barkley is going to rush for 170 yards. And we're going to be here with egg on our face thinking like, what is going on with a run defense led by Snacks Harrison? You would have never imagined this. I think the other key component is if Deshaun Hand's going to play. I think if Deshaun Hand plays, that could make an absolute world of difference because I think that with his versatility, he, he can really play like all along that line. And I think maybe his role last year, played a bigger role than than we thought it did. Like maybe maybe his his play and, and snacks play were were almost kind of um you know related to one another. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think if you, you get Deshaun Hand in the game, which by all accounts it looks like it's finally gonna happen this week. No, uh, I yeah I, you can't convince me with the way that this Lions season has gone, even though he's been a full participant, what, three practices in a row now? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um Ryan, he it's going to happen. It's he okay, could just bud. as easily end Ryan. up in an IR as Ryan. he were to like actually play a game. <laughs> Ryan, just can you put your head on my shoulder for a second and and just let me let me tell you everything's going to be okay. <laughs> but it's not. It's not going to be okay. <laughs> let me then let me lie to you so you can just calm down. Okay, fine. Um, all right. Here's something that should make you at least a little bit happier: the outlook of when the Lions have the ball and Matthew Stafford has the ball in his hands. Looks to be pretty good. Uh, Giants pass defense, not playing really up to snuff right now. Their secondary is, is definitely a little bit decimated from, from some moves they did last offseason. Um, Chris, do you have any faith in the Giants being able to stop Matthew Stafford on Sunday? No. <laughs> Why not? Because I have, I have been watching Matthew Stafford, and I see the level he is playing at right now. I see him spreading the ball around. I see him torching good past defenses mm-hmm. and even playing a Patriots team that basically had their projected wide receiver core evaporate over the course of what, two weeks right. playing a Minnesota Vikings team that they were not, they were not doing anything on offense really until they played the giants and yet the giants are still second 
in the league in play passing plays of 30 yard of 20 yards given up and third in the league in terms of uh passing plays of 40 yards or more given up they have a rookie corner who he's good if he can win a win the rep at the beginning of the snap but he isn't terribly athletic they have a free safety who is approximately 67 years old in Antoine <laughs> Bethea. I've, I have seen Matthew Stafford attack the deep field. The very first play against the Packers with that yeah. flea flicker and what was a 50 yard bomb to Galladay. Mm-hmm. I, unless the giants can play very aggressively at the line of scrimmage blitz Stafford and hopefully throw the timing of the play off the the ability to attack deep and attack multiple options scares me also TJ Hawkinson scares me yeah Hawkinson's kind of been a little bit quiet since that that debut but you can see that they're trying to get him more involved and I think it's a really interesting point that you bring up about the deep ball because yeah that has certainly been the identity of this Lions pass offense so far is is connecting on that deep ball, whether it's Marvin Jones, whether it's Kenny Gotti, whether it's Marvin Hall, who oddly has three catches of, of 20 plus yards in his four total catches. So far this year, um, let's wrap it up here with the matchup segment here. Let's talk, let's talk Evan Ingram, because I feel like if there's one kind of X factor in this game that, that could give the line some, some extra trouble, especially when the giants have the ball it's Tim. Um, what is the key to stopping Evan Ingram so far? And, has anyone really shown an ability to do that? Uh, the Giants coaches. Expand <laughs> <Dang>. on that. <laughs> this is this is a long running pet peeve of mine. It doesn't matter who is coaching the Giants, who is calling the plays. For some reason, they cannot figure out how to consistently use Evan Ingram to his full potential. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give them a little bit of a break for last week. He only had one catch for six yards coming off of an injury. It was just a nasty, rainy day afternoon in New Jersey. Uh, Nobody was really throwing the ball well. But the Giants have a tendency to run Ingram on a lot of like three and five yard crossing routes and try to get him a little bit behind the linebackers and hope his four four speed is enough to turn a short pass into a big gain. More often than not, that doesn't happen. And the defense is able to rally to the ball and limit him to maybe like a seven or nine yard gain. I think if the giants actually use him as more of a vertical threat, if they use him like you should a receipt of tight end with his physical abilities, like the 49ers used George Kittle or the New England Patriots used Aaron Hernandez back in the day. He could be one of the most dangerous weapons in the NFL, but they haven't really shown a, a real, uh, a real willingness to do that, at least at a consistent, on a consistent basis. All right. I think we're going to wrap up our matchup segment there. Let's move on to our ever-popular predictions segment, which we call 
the one thing I think I know where you just kind of have to give one little prediction out there. It doesn't necessarily have to be the score prediction. It doesn't have to be who you think's going to win. It can just be one thing about this matchup, about this game that you're pretty sure is going to happen. And so, Ryan, I'm going to, again, give you the the proverbial rock here to to talk and, and give your prediction first. All right. The conch shell. Uh, here, here's, here's the visual. I'm holding the conch shell, and I'm telling you the thing that I think I know about this game. Can we do like a double down segment where it's like, it's the thing I know I know. And oh, the thing, yeah. The thing I know I know is that the Lions are going to cover the spread in this one. Wow, and it's a big spread. The spread right now at the Westgate is uh, minus seven. So I I just have a feeling that if there was going to be a game that Detroit was going to show up and show out and play, it's a really great opportunity for them to have the Giants coming into town. And it's uh, you know it's a home game. I think this is this is a really high stakes game. I mean, can we agree that if the Lions lose this game, it's really going to be difficult to think of this season as anything but a complete and utter failure? <laughs> yeah, it, it gets ugly real quick if, it, if this turns into a loss. It, it does. So I think that it's an important game for the Lions. So I say I say they cover the spread. Wow. For a team that hasn't been able to put away any team yet, including the Arizona Cardinals, I in know. an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter, you're saying they're going to win by two two scores. I'm not just saying I think that they're oh, going to you saying that. you that's right you saying know. you know. <laughs> uh okay Chris I'm going to I'm going to pass it along to you are you going to come here and, and defend your giants or or what do you, what do you think is the one thing you think you know about this game Okay the one thing I think I know is that at some point Daniel Jones will have <clears throat> he will have at least one play that makes you go wow he has one of those every game. And I mean that in a good way. <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> he also has those has the other kind <laughs> where he will force the ball or not see pressure coming and it will be a a strip sack. But I think I I think he will have one of those just Big play somehow threads the needle, drops the ball into the receiver's hand for a big gain type plays. All right. I like it. I like it. The one thing I think I know, I'm going to say it. This is the week the Lions run defense turns around. And I'm not saying it's going to be a lasting thing necessarily, but I think we're going to finally see a little bit of a flash of that Lions run defense that we saw towards the end of last year. I really think, as I kind of teased before, that the Lions can kind of tee off not worry about the passing game all that much. No offense to Daniel Jones or that set of, those set of receivers. Um, I think the Lions can devote more resources to stopping the run. They can stack the box a little more. I know the linebackers are playing really bad, and I know they're probably just pretty bad, and it's not just a performance thing. It's That's just who they are. But with Deshaun Hand back, yes, Ryan, he's coming back. Bank oh, it. my goodness. The one thing I know, you know you know. That is the one thing I think I know I know, is that Deshaun Hand's <laughs> coming back. Take it to the bank. Tell, tell your friend Bovada to, to put a bet on it. We don't talk anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think this is the week that the Lions rebound defensively in terms of the run defense. Whether that means they get burned through the air, I'm not saying I know anything about that. I don't know. Maybe maybe Quandre Diggs' absence means the secondary sucks now. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But I think the one thing I think I know is they stop the run this week against Saquon Barkley and get a lot of people excited for about three days before 
some <laughs> other tragedy hits this team. Um, but uh, I, okay, before we wrap it up, uh, Chris, I want to ha- give you the opportunity to promote your stuff. Where can the people find you? What sort of stuff do you guys have a big blue view that might interest some Lions fans? Uh, we have a lot. You know, I am pretty much always posting over on uh, BBV. I am a co-host on our own podcast, the Chris and Joe Show. Nice. You can find that pretty much everywhere you find podcasts. I am on Twitter. And you know, in addition to just regular Giants news, we are posting film breakdowns, stat posts, all of that pretty regularly. And I know at least with my own work, I try to make it as accessible and educational for people of every team, not just strictly Giants, though it does tend to focus on the Giants. Well, that sounds good enough for me. I'll I'll definitely head over there, check out some of the stuff they have at Big Blue View. We'll obviously have our five question swap and all that fun stuff there as well. Chris Flum, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you having us. Having, yeah. I appreciate you joining us. Is what I meant to say. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're we're both coasting here. Our teams are under five hundred. Who cares anymore? Is anyone listening? Adequate. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, as always, be sure to to tune into our Twitch post game shows eight p.m. Eastern. Twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit. Our live podcast will have all our breakdown of this game reactions. Maybe a little bit Quandre Diggs leftover residual talk. Um, obviously, if you if you haven't seen yet, we have a full podcast on that. So this is your third podcast of the week. So um, you're Spoiled. welcome. You're welcome. Uh, anyways, we will see you on Sunday. You guys have a good week, and thanks again for joining us. Yeah.